Morning, church. We've had some good moisture, a lot of rain. I don't know if it's raining at your house. It's been raining at our house, and so the Lord has blessed us. I know it's been raining in West Texas, and they really need some rain. I know it's been raining in western Oklahoma, and they're way dry. So, um, But it rains on the just and the unjust. Let me all tell the people beside you that are staring at me what that means later. So, <clears throat> It's June. June kind of means summer to me, so June kind of kicks things off. I know we still have a... Sorry for those of you who are still in school. Who's still in school? Yeah. Stinks, doesn't it? And you better go tomorrow. So. I was done with that. (laughs) If you're visiting with us, if you're new here today, if you're looking for a church home, we're starting a new series today, the five one-chapter books of the Bible. You don't have to be here from week to week for it to flow because we're just grabbing the one-chapter books of the Bible. So today we're going to look at Obadiah, which is on the... We just kind of stuck all those in the big one. So here's how I want to introduce Obadiah. If I say family feud... What comes to your mind? Survey says. Yeah, that's good. That's good. The TV show where they survey 100 people and you've got two families. It's really not a feud, though. They're just competing for some money. So if I said, what about a real family feud? Who would you think of? The Hatfields and McCoys. That's right. I think this is the Hatfields. So if you're related to the McCoys, I don't have any pictures of your family, so don't meet me outside, don't meet me out back. We don't want the feud to continue. Let me tell you a little bit about the Hatfields and McCoys. Maybe you know the phrase, maybe you've just heard the name, but let me give you a little history. The McCoys lived on the Kentucky side of the Tug Fork River. The Hatfields lived on the west side of the Tug Fork River. They both were involved in the manufacture and sale of moonshine. And they both owned a lot of land. And the first instance of the feud beginning had to do with a hog. One of the Hatfields, one of the McCoys, a hog was caught. And really the feud wasn't over the hog. The feud was over whose land was the hog on when it was caught. And it just escalated. To the the point that one of the Hatfields had an affair with one of the McCoys. And the feud continued to people being shot, people being killed, people being murdered. It got so bad that the governors of both Kentucky and West Virginia called in the state militia to restore order. It got so bad, United States Supreme Court got involved until the families decided okay, we're not going to feud anymore. Family feud. Kind of interesting, in 1980, the real TV show Family Feud brought descendants of the Hatfields and McCoys together for a week-long competition. And they didn't play for money, they played for a pig, which was what the original dispute was over. And if you've ever watched Family Feud, when you hit the buzzer and it makes that noise, the sound that day was... A gunshot. Isn't that interesting? You say, well, Richie, what does that have to do with Obadiah? Well, Obadiah is about 
a family feud. So I need to tell you a little bit about that family feud because it had to do with the Israelites and the Edomites. And they hated each other. This feud had been going on for 800 to 1,000 years. So the descendants and the descendants and the descendants kept hating each other in a great way. And the feud kept going on. But to describe this feud, we've got to go all the way back to Genesis. Because when you go back to Genesis, the first book of the Bible, you remember God called Abraham and Abraham had a son named Isaac. And Isaac had two sons named Jacob and Esau. Esau's descendants were the Edomites. Jacob's name was changed to Israel and his descendants were the Israelites. So the Israelites and the Edomites goes all the way back to two brothers, Jacob and Esau. Goes all the way back to two brothers in the womb. They were already feuding. Look at Genesis chapter 25. God says to Rebekah, Isaac's wife, two nations are in your womb. This is when the feud begins. And two peoples from within you will be separated. God already says there's going to be a feud. In fact, if you keep reading in Genesis 25, when the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment, so they named him Esau. That's the Edomites. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel which has to do with Jacob's name. So he was named Jacob. So this feud started in the womb. And it continued on after that. It continued on in their teenage years. It continued on until Esau sold his birthright. You remember reading about that? Esau was so hungry that he sold his birthright. You say, what's a birthright? A birthright meant privilege. And status, a birthright usually went to the firstborn. And Esau says, I'm so hungry, you can have my birthright if you'll just give me some stew. And the feud continued. And Scripture says Esau hated, despised his birthright. So Jacob and Esau, two brothers, two twin brothers, they started feuding in the womb. And the feud continued to their descendants to the point that in Numbers chapter 20, the feud escalates. And so you've got the Edomites and the Israelites. Here's what's going on in Numbers 20. God has taken His people out of Egypt and He's rescued them out of Egypt and we're going to the Promised Land. And to get to the Promised Land, it'd be real nice if we could go through the country of the Edomites. So Moses sends a note and says, We're here at Kadesh, a town on the edge of your territory. He's sending this to the king of Edom. Please let us pass through your country. We'll not go through any field or vineyard or drink water from any well. And the king of Edom answered and said, Do it and you die. This is family. These are two families. These are the descendants of two families. Hey, can we come through your yard? Well, you can if you want, but the sword's coming out and you will die. Family feud. It continued to get bad until we get down into the book of Obadiah. So you've got the Edomites, descendants of Esau. You've got the Israelites, descendants of Israel, who was Jacob, Esau's brother. Back and forth for almost a thousand years, two families raged in their hate to each other. Maybe you can relate. There's all kinds of feuds these days. 
husbands and wives feud and it gets pretty bad and they have to get a divorce. And sometimes it gets real ugly. Sometimes parents and children's feud and children storm out the door and they never see their parents again. Sometimes co-workers, maybe you go to work tomorrow and there's someone at work that you, there's a feud going on at work and if the Lord was just to remove them from the face of the earth, it wouldn't bother you at all. Feuds. So maybe you can relate to feuding, people not getting along. That's what's going on in Obadiah. It's a family feud. And so here's the newest incident that's going on in in the book of Obadiah. The Babylonians, you've heard of the the Babylonians, they were a powerful army. And the Babylonians came down, most commentators say it was the Babylonians, they came down to Israel and they desecrated Jerusalem, and they desecrated the temple, and they stole and looted everything, and they carried a bunch of the Israelites off into captivity. During that time, where would you expect family to be? During that time, the Edomites stood by, joined in, and helped the Babylonians as they carried off, looted, stole against the Israelites. So the feud has escalated to the point that family is helping the enemy instead of family. So Obadiah prophesies, verse 1, the vision of Obadiah. This is what the sovereign Lord says about Edom. Okay, here's, this is what's going on when Obadiah writes. We've heard a message from the Lord. An envoy was sent to the nations to say, rise and let us go up against her for battle. So it got so bad. God enters the picture and says, listen, listen, listen. This feud's not going to go on. I'm involved in the feud now. Now, there's only 21 verses in Obadiah. It's the shortest book in the Old Testament. It's only one chapter. But let me kind of illustrate. Here's what was going on again. God illustrates in Obadiah. Because of your violence, Edomites, because of your violence against your brothers, because of your violence against your brother Jacob, you stood aloof. While strangers carried off his wealth, and foreigners entered his gates, and cast lots for Jerusalem, and you were like one of them. You joined in against family. You should not, this is what they did, look down on your brother in the day of his misfortune. You should not rejoice over the people of Judah. You shouldn't boast so much because they were getting in trouble. Keep reading. You should not march through the gates. You shouldn't look down on them in their calamity. You shouldn't wait at the crossroads. You shouldn't cut down their fugitives. You shouldn't hand them over. That's what the Edomites did to their family. So God says, I got a word for you. I'm sending Obadiah, and here's what's going on. So if you keep reading, God says to the Edomites, I'm going to make you small among the nations. You will be utterly despised. Oh, what disaster awaits you. You will be ransacked. Your hidden treasures will be pillaged. Your allies will force you to the border. Your friends will deceive and overpower you. Those who eat your bread will set a trap for you. I will destroy your wise men of Edom. Your warriors will be terrified. You will be cut down in the slaughter. You will be covered with shame. You will be destroyed forever. The house of Esau will be stubble. They will set it on fire and consume it. There will be... No survivors from the house of Esau, the Lord has spoken. The Lord is so set 
on Edomite's fate, verse 1, an envoy has already been sent. God says, I'm going to take care of this feud. The day of the Lord is near. In fact, if you read in verse 15, the day of the Lord is near. Hey, the Edomites, what you did, it will be done to you. The way you treated, that's the way it's going to be, that's the way you're going to be treated. Your deeds will return upon your own head. So God says, I want you to know that everything that you did will not go unpunished. Every way you treated your brothers in this thousand-year feud is coming to a culmination. It's coming to an end. Your day is coming. You ever heard the phrase, what goes around comes around? Hey, Edomites, it's coming around. You ever heard you reap what you sow? Guess what, Edomites? You're fixing to reap what you've been sowing for years and years and years. Because of your crimes, because of your behavior, because of your hatred, because of your wickedness, punishment, judgment, the day of the Lord is coming. So everybody gets their day in court. Obadiah is Edom's, the Edomites' day in court. So Obadiah arraigns Edom. Obadiah indicts Edom. Obadiah sentences Edom. In fact, God says, I'm going to send nations against you. But that's not what the bad thing is. It's so bad, God is going to bring judgment. So if you think the nations coming against you is going to be bad, God, you will be judged by God. You are not going to get away with this. You're not going to get away with your behavior. The day of the Lord, like our scripture reading today, is near. So let me give you some takeaways. You say, Richie, what? Okay, what does Obadiah have to do with me? Number one, God sets himself against the proud. Edom, read verse 3, was proud that they participated in the downfall of Israel. And you know what the Bible says about pride. Proverbs 8, God says, I hate arrogance and pride. The Bible says pride comes before the fall. So when you're full of pride... God sets Himself against you. When you take pride in someone failing, when you take pride in someone getting fired, when you take pride... You know, it's one thing to watch some athletics in a competitive, uh, some kind of event, and you take pride in your team winning. But when we're talking about people and their lives and losing jobs and the hatred and the feuding that goes on between people, and you say, you, you know, you're getting what you deserve. When you take pride in other people's calamity and struggles and failures, God's coming your way. God sets Himself against the proud. The pride of your heart has deceived you. First pride, then the crash. The bigger the ego, the harder the fall. So do you gloat when others fail? Do you get excited when other people have misfortune? God sets Himself against the proud. Number two, God sets His foot in history and is in control. Let me explain this. this I think we have difficulty with this. Where is God, the Israelites are saying, where is God when tragedy strikes? Where is God when terrorists fly into Twin Towers? Where is God when the Edomites come against us and join the Babylonians? Where is God? 
He's right where He's always been. On the throne. In control. Fully aware of what's going on in our world. As we read in verse 1, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Hey God, do you even know what's going on? This is what the sovereign Lord... Hey God, do you even know what's going on in my life? God is in control. And God is aware. And God knows exactly what's going on in history because it's His story. Everything that's going on today is God's story. And we may not always see what's going on and we may not always understand what's going on. But if we start getting upset, this is what's scary. If we start getting upset, God, you might know what's going on, but how come you haven't done what I wanted you to do? That's the scary part. Because God is in control. We may not like His control. We may not understand His control. But the book of Obadiah tells us that in the end, the day of the Lord is near, and judgment is coming, and all of the injustices that we've ever seen, all the times that we've wanted God to do something, it is going to happen. Because God is involved, and God is aware, and God knows what's going on in our lives. Number three, God sets in judgment against evil against wickedness, against rebellion, against disobedience. All the evil in this world, all the evil that the Edomites did in that day, all the evil going on today, all the nations that were were thinking, you know, God, why don't you just put a hole in the earth and make those nations disappear? Judgment's coming. The day of the Lord is near. The day of the Lord is coming, and God will judge fairly. The Lord saw what the Edomites did and He was determined to bring judgment on them. The Lord sees what's going on today and He's determined to bring judgment on them. The Lord sees individual people today. The Lord sees us today. And judgment will come to us. The day of the Lord will be here. It's not preaching you hear all the time. It's not preaching people like to hear. But God will make sure evil is judged. God will make sure sinful behavior is judged. Hey, Richie, can you just go on to the next point? Because, you know, I don't need the guilt. I I, I don't need you to... The thing about Obadiah is, on Mount Zion, there will be deliverance and it will be holy. And God is in control. So all the things you've done in your life, The day of the Lord's near. It's coming. If you're thinking, how come the Edomites got away with? They didn't get away with. How come those nations get away with? They're not going to get away with. How come those people? And sometimes we think, hey, maybe I got away with that. Remember David, Bathsheba? There's a moment that David thought, you know what? Maybe nobody saw. God sees. Let's go to the next one. God wants us to set Him as our security. Here's what I mean by that. The Edomites placed their security in where they lived. Maybe you've heard of the capital of Edom. It was Petra. One of the most beautiful places in the world. Thousands of feet of caves and on the side, you know, just walls. Thousands of feet of walls. And a narrow passageway. They were almost invincible. They thought they were invincible. There's no way anybody can get to us. 
because you had to go through this narrow passageway. So if you line up in a narrow passageway, they're going to attack. So they thought they were invincible because of their wisdom. They thought they were invincible because of their location. And people today think, we sometimes think, I, you know, I'm invincible. I can't be touched. I'm beyond the law. Nobody can get to me. And we put our security in our bank account. And when our bank account's pretty good, we feel pretty good. And we put our security in our knowledge. And we put our security in our abilities. And we get to thinking, you know what? I'm beyond. Oh, we may not consciously say that. But sometimes we get to living and we put our security in all of the things around us thinking, you know what? I'm invincible. And Edom thought, we're beyond the reach of anybody. But not God. They put their security in their location. Where do you put your security? Where do you feel good? What makes you feel good? Sometimes we put our security in good deeds. Sometimes we put our security in our religion. Sometimes we put our security in all kinds of things. But God says, you know what? I want you to trust in me. Maybe that's the biggest thing in Obadiah. You need to trust in God. Because He's going to win. He's in control. He knows what's going on. So let me give you one more takeaway. We're looking at the five one-chapter books. Let me give you one more takeaway. <clears throat> I said this one already. I, just, I want you to hear this again. You're going to reap what you sow. You're not going to get away with anything. All sinful behavior will be judged. Our scripture reading today in 2 Peter chapter 3, the day of the Lord's coming. It's going to be like a thief in the night and we don't know when it's going to be. And since that day is coming, Peter says, we ought to look forward to that day. Why would I look forward to a day that I'm going to be judged for my behavior? Listen, the day of the Lord is coming, but you don't need to fear the day of the Lord. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's no judgment for those who are in Christ Jesus. The day of the Lord is coming, but in Christ Jesus, I can stand before God knowing that the blood of Jesus has washed my sins away, washed my crimes away, washed my bad behavior away. I can stand before the Lord even though the judgment is coming knowing that I stand in the blood of Jesus. There's no condemnation. There's no condemnation. There's zero zilch, not a condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Why do you think we stand here Sunday after Sunday after Sunday and encourage you to be baptized into Jesus Christ, baptized into the blood of Jesus, so that the blood of Jesus can wash your sins away? It's not just so that we can have some teaching that you may disagree with. It's so that you can stand righteous before God and you won't be judged and there won't be any condemnation. Which means you can live your entire life free of guilt and free of the burden. I hope God washes away and I hope that you don't have to live that way. Because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. There's condemnation for Edom because they refused to repent. And the day of the Lord was coming and they were going to pay. If you refuse to repent, if you refuse to obey God, if you refuse to listen to what's in this book, the day of the Lord is coming and you should be scared. Unless you're in Christ Jesus. My confidence is not in Richie. My confidence is in Jesus Christ and what He did at the cross. My confidence is not in my blood. My confidence is in the blood of Jesus. 
My confidence is I can go before the throne of grace with confidence because there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's why we offer an invitation. We don't want you to live lives full of burdens and guilt and shame, wondering, I hope I can do enough. I hope I can live well enough. I hope I can put enough money in the plate. I hope I can go to church enough. That's a false hope. But a solid hope is living in Jesus Christ with no condemnation. So we offer the invitation today. It's not to join our church. It's to join His church. We offer the invitation today not to be baptized into this church, but to be baptized into Jesus Christ. We offer the invitation today not to make you like one of us, but to make you like Jesus. It's not our invitation It's the invitation of Jesus. Will you give your life to Jesus? Will you give your sins to Jesus? Will you give your burdens to Jesus? Will you give everything about you to Jesus so that He can wash those away and so that you can have no condemnation in Jesus Christ? If you need to respond to the invitation, you can come down front and you can be baptized. If you need the elders of this church, the shepherds of this church to embrace you in prayer, if you need to respond, please do so as we stand and sing.